with Bob Metz, and this morning, Gil Warren sitting in for the vacationing Jeff Schlemmer. Uh, Gil has uh, been a guest on this program on the telephone before. Yes, that's right. Uh, he is a well-known local labor uh, uh, activist and involved in a whole lot of things, and we're, we're glad to have him with us on the program today. Guys, I was hoping that uh, we might be able to talk a little bit today about taxation. Uh, with Dalton McGinty being on today, and we talked a lot about what he thinks Harris is doing wrong and what he'd do right, uh, we had Dr. Bauman on, and he was talking about the role of taxation in funding health care and the problems the health care practitioners are having and so on. Uh, I was at a rally yesterday out at ProBart Motors, an, an anti-tax against the municipal taxes here. And the, the, the word I keep getting from people at every income level, and it doesn't seem to matter whether they're poverty-stricken or whether they're zillionaires, they're all complaining about the level of tax in this province. The only ones who aren't are the ones who don't know about it. We have heard it said that we simply will not take any more taxation, that you can't tax the Ontario government, can't tax us anymore. We've had enough. But if you go back through the files, you'll find, and I did this the other day, some of my old files, and you probably have some similar things, Bob, people were saying exactly the same thing 10 years ago, and they said exactly the same thing 20 years ago. Yeah. The taxes cannot possibly go any higher. We can't survive. Well, they went up and up and up and up and up. Now we've got a government in Ontario that says the way to stimulate our economy or one of the ways is to cut taxes. We have a government in Ottawa, in contrast, who, while they talk a big fight, really have managed to get most of their, make most of their financial progress on the basis of increased taxes. Not that they necessarily brought in new ones, but what's known as bracket creep, which reaches right across the economy. Uh, and as people's incomes move up, they move into higher taxation brackets or they end up paying more tax overall, and the government's got more money coming in. So they may not have made front pages with their big tax increases. In fact, taxes have increased a lot at the federal level. So we've got two distinctly different uh, approaches there. In London, we got the approach that they don't know what's going on, so they just tax us whatever they feel like. That's a whole other story. But Gil, I'd, I'd like to ask you off the top, does either one of those approaches make any sense to you? To stimulate the economy? No. Yeah. Um, I, I would also note that the federal liberals have increased Canada pension contributions and UIC contributions, mm -hmm. and so they've, they've actually increased direct taxes. But I don't think that there's enough evidence that uh, a provincial tax cut stimulates the economy to any great extent. There will be a minor stimulation, any kind of situation where you're pumping money into the economy. And remember, the, the provincial Tories tax cut is funded uh, it's borrowed money, it's mm -hmm. deficit money. But um, there are other ways to directly stimulate the economy that would have a much better return. One of the problems with a just general tax cut is, let's take the very wealthy person, let's say someone who's a millionaire or a billionaire, if he gets a tax cut back, he may take that money and invest it in some other country. So where's the benefit to us? You can't control it once you've given it out in terms of But he of may also invest right here. Yes, he may. But the government has no way of controlling that process. If the government were to take the same amount of money, a million dollars, and uh, invest it in road construction or sewer construction, they have direct control over that. That money will be invested in sewers. It's not going anywhere, and it's 100% invested. And, and you can control the amount of money that you get back. So I think there should be massive uh, public works programs uh, sponsored by the uh, federal and provincial government if you want to stimulate the economy. Bob, what's wrong, what's wrong with that scenario, or if anything? Well, when we talk about stimulating an economy, we are talking about giving people more choices, uh, cheaper, cheaper, or cheaper cost of living, mm -hmm. uh, which means giving them more control over the dollars they spend. 
any talk of stimulating an economy through taxation is a contradiction in terms. Every penny of taxation is a deterrent to economic stimulation, even if it's even if it gets some tiny tiny bit of value out of it. Um, money has a value, and we're watching this great thing happening here in Canada today. Uh, you know how, how our dollar is falling to half of what the U.S. dollar is, and uh, it's funny. Yesterday, philosopher novelist Ayn Rand came up on your book show a few times, and you know she always used to argue that money was the barometer of a society's virtue. When you see the value of your dollar going down, or or your power, or that spending dropping there, you know that there's something morally wrong with the way that your government is being run. And the thing that we never seem to want to address when we speak of, of issues like taxation is that taxation is, in effect, forced spending. And when you are forced to spend a dollar, you might as well not have had that dollar in the first place. It loses its value because the value of money comes through human will and what you want to spend it on. When Mr. X is telling Mr. Y how to spend his money and on what projects, Mr. Y has no value to his money. Even if Mr. X thinks he's getting something out of it. Because it isn't really his money it's, if it's taken. Once, once it's, it's taken, taken, it didn't even belong to him. And, and he's, he's sure not going to want to earn more in the future. So, so cutting taxes is essential. You know, Mr. McGinty referred to a tax, tax cut as, as some big government giveaway. Well, wait a minute. That money wasn't the government's to begin with. That money came from the people. For, for him to say that the government's giving away money by cutting taxes is, again, a, 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 a gross contradiction in terms, and, and any person of reason should reject such a concept outright. Gil, when we listen to what Bob says, and you, we, we, you know, obviously there's a tremendous responsibility in the world that Bob would like to live in, a tremendous responsibility on the individual to be informed, to you know, look, look out for yourself, to take advantage of, of the opportunities that are there, but the idea is that, that the individual has the ability, that we all have the ability, or most of us, to take care of ourselves. If we could get government out of the way and be a little less intrusive. What's wrong with what he's saying? I mean, is, uh, should we not have confidence in individuals to take care of themselves? Well, I think Bob's living in a fantasy world in terms of, uh, of the individual being able to do everything. I mean, we are the most advanced technological civilization in history. It's very complicated, and it's all interrelated. We have to work together, and, we have to, and there are individual responsibilities, and there are collective responsibilities. What's the difference? Can you, can well, you give us the, some examples? An individual would just look at everything for himself you know i can can i become the biggest millionaire can i can i become the most successful person and and if you try and pursue that completely 100 percent to your own interest our society couldn't function why not because there has to be balance there has to be balance between the individual uh good and the collective good and uh but isn't as an individual don't you benefit from the collective good too? Yes, it's, it works both ways. But you can have a society that's 100% free. But then you, what do you, you can't mean have a society that's 100% slavery either. So, so it's okay to have a little bit of slavery. You say 10% or 20% We have wage slavery every day when we go well, to work. I agree, uh, in the sense of the amount that governments take in taxes, which is over 50-some-odd percent of an average person's pay. I would call that slavery. I would say, some people would say just going to work is, is slavery, that you, you exchange no, going your time to work and energy is, for wages. Well, you don't have to go to work for another person. You can work Most for yourself. Most people do. Well, but but no, the necessity of working is put upon us by nature, no, not by any other human being. Implicit and explicit in the term slavery is that you don't get paid for what you do. No, you, you give away your time. I mean, 
wage slavery means you get wages back in, in exchange, but you're using up eight hours or well, ten no, hours Slavery a day. implies a lack of consent, a lack of, it means that someone's being forced to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. And to use slavery in the context of a, of a voluntary uh, work agreement or a contract it, is another absurdity, another contradiction. Well, you should, you should see some of the factories that I've worked in, and I think slavery is a pretty good description of well, what happened. Well, then why did you work there? Who, dra who dragged you in there? Because people... What, what people, individual people, dragged you in people there? People want to have money, and they have to eat, and they so have you, well, yeah, but who, but who, who, get, put, who put that necessity upon you? Did I do it? Did the, did the capitalists do it? Did the socialists do you know, it? Part, it? Our collective society, we have, you know, I agree, disagree with you about uh, money being the, the value of everything. Uh, it's work. It's people, ordinary working people out there working every day, whether they're in a factory or they're building houses. So what they're do they creating, work for? They work for money, right? They're, no, they're creating the wealth of our society. The money's just an abstract thing that, that, that we use as an exchange medium to decide uh, values of things, but it's everybody working every day that creates the wealth of our society. The buildings they build, the cars they build, the factories they build, and and that's yes, where the real source of wealth comes and from. And everyone working includes the people who put it all together, the the managers, the people who are at the mm -hmm. top of corporations, and union leaders. Uh, uh, well, I, that that's uh, that's an arguable issue. Um, we all make it work. But the issue is, I think, I think what you're missing, like when you say that, for example, that individuals can't just do everything, it's an individual versus right. collective responsibility. Uh, you know, to me, there is no such thing as a collective responsibility. The individual responsibility is to not interfere in other individuals' rights so that I don't have a right to force you to do something that I happen to believe just because I believe it, and the same right has to be extended to me by you. That, to me, is a social contract. Well, you know... Look at it from the perspective of a bank robber. I mean, a bank robber. A bank robber. He would argue that he should have the freedom to rob banks, and that we're infringing well, he, on his freedom well, to rob banks true, by having laws against bank robbing. One infringes on someone else's freedom the minute one initiates force against them, mm -hmm. and that's when they infringe on your rights. The so bank robber. You're 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 using a good example in terms of even government. The government is the bank robber in this situation, and they exert force. There's no logic to taxes. I feel sorry yeah, for these yeah. guys like, you, have you know, to pay for Jeff Prosser and all these business people locally who are going to get nailed. They're not going to get their money back. They're, getting, they're paying for nothing. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it comes from a consequence of accepting this idea that the government has a right to tax you. But then, I mean, but what's the limit? What is it? Does anybody have yeah, any what a limit on tax? With, with reference to that issue, though, the argument that is being made on the by the people who are levying the taxes is that yes, this is a terrible shot this year, but it's redress for years of inequitable taxation. That for years, some people in our community have paid less than their fair share; other people have paid more than their fair share. And the argument is that when this process is all over and all the screaming is said and done and, and the businesses that are going to go out of business because they can't pay it are gone out of business, uh, thereby creating opportunities for new businesses to come in, when all of that is said and done, that we're going to live in a more equitable tax regime. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's, I'm not trying to defend taxes, but that's the theory. That's why this is happening. Well, you're, you're defending equity at, at, just for the sake of equity, and I don't think that's a correct way of looking at well, it. Well, to take uh, the word out then, uh, just say, uh, okay, here's the word we kick around a lot, fairness, too. Is it fair that one individual in the society should have to subsidize yeah, another? You don't think you don't fair think so about the taxes. You can't you can't even enter a conversation about fairness when you're talking about taxes. But but you said they were paying for nothing, and that's simply not true. Taxes you're paying for health care, they're paying for education.
transportation. They're paying for roads. They're no, paying. No, no, no. I'm. They I'm pay by that. You you don't have a guarantee of any of those things. They're out there every named. day. They're delivered. They're delivered, but at a decreasing amount because the tax but it's not is coming. It's it's. We're seeing user fees coming. We're seeing things like sewer tur- surcharges yeah, yeah. put on our courtesy tax of Mike bill Harris and, of our, and the federal liberals. Uh, no, no. It's courtesy of. Of, of the voters, let's face it, we are the people responsible for the governments we elect. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to point at Mike Harris and McGinty and Bob Ray and whoever else and say that they're, they're at fault. They're not at fault. We elect them. And we but elect their, agendas, them their agendas are different. And part of Mike Harris getting in was to decrease provincial uh, income tax. He promised it. He delivered it. I was totally opposed to it. I think he's wrong. Well, part of that process was downloading the costs onto the cities, and now we're seeing the tax increases. But why would you, I agree so with, you'd rather see taxes go up? I would rather see the provincial income tax cuts rolled back. So you'd like to see taxes go up, then? I would like to see provincial income taxes well, go up. why just roll back? Why not hire if taxes are good? Let's go all the way. Well, I, what I would argue... Would you support 100% tax like Jeff Schlemmer once said he did? <laughs> no, I don't support 100% tax. I'm well, saying simply that, the, that, that the, the 30% tax cut that Harris has implemented should be rolled back, and that should be... Uh, a priority of the next government. And I, you know, you can't argue for 100% taxes. You can't argue for 0% taxes. I mean, if, if taxes, if reducing taxes creates jobs, then no taxes should create full employment. No, not necessarily. Well, that's the argument there. The, that the we, point see, we see business ta- ta- it's all the time. No, because there, there's no such thing as full employment. That's, that's a pie-in-the-sky ideal. There's always going to be people who are going to be unemployed under, in, uh, under any system. And to shoot for that unattainable goal will bankrupt the system. But you're shooting for, for the unattainable goal of the lowest possible tax. No, I'm just shooting for individual choice and freedom and to get government out of the way. Uh, there's no reason in the world, as I mentioned before, I said if we, if we insist on the government you know, paying for education, paying for health care, why do we do it through taxes? Why don't we just do, like I said, like what the government does about car insurance? It forces you to have insurance. Why doesn't it force you to have health care insurance? Because it's not an efficient system. Pro- sure, sure, it's, it's efficient. efficient. The, American, the American private system is far more inefficient than the Canadian Yeah, but Canadian that's system. not the only model. Who's, who's to say that we'd have to adopt the American system? Yeah, I don't understand where America keeps coming in. I never mentioned the word America yet. I'm talking about a free market and health care system, which, would by be the way, more America expensive. does not have. Would be more expensive. Well, there's no evidence of that. In, in every other area of economic endeavor, the free market is always offers you a choice. When you only have one choice, one government health care monopoly. How can you say it's cheaper or, or better than something else? They've done the you're, studies. You're not allowed to compare it to something else. They've in the compared same environment. it. They've compared it to the American system. The American system has a whole bunch of extra bureaucracy as well, one insurance company skill. fights the Bottom other. Bottom line question: If it's so much better, why do we have to be forced to go on this system? Why? Why then does the government have to outlaw insurance companies to compete with its the things that it offers under its insurance plan? Why does it have to outlaw competing forms of medicine delivery and private health care insurance? If the government's so much more efficient and cheaper, people would be flocking to the government. We're going to give Gil a moment. <laughs> get my mouth working. We're going to give Gil a moment or two to think about his response to that question, and we'll be back with more left, right, and center with Bob Metz and Gil Warren. Now, before we broke. Robert had asked Gil a couple of questions, and Gil, take it away. Yeah, the question was about uh, health insurance, uh, government health insurance, why, why you couldn't allow competition from the private sector. And, and quite frankly, it's because the system was set up as a single company, a single, a single government-owned health insurance company, uh, because it would save on the cost. We, we wouldn't have all the bureaucracy that you would have with 10 different insurance companies, and therefore you would have a more efficient system. And that's actually been borne out by the studies. The same argument applies to government car insurance, say in BC, uh, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba. 
uh, they get the cost savings by having a single provider uh, of that service. And if why, you, why wouldn't we then have have a uh, single provider of uh, home insurance, for example, single provider of disability insurance? Why doesn't mm -hmm. the government do all of that if they're so efficient at it? Well, uh, that's a possibility that future governments could do. You have to look at each situation and see how much uh, money you can save in terms of a uh, single provider uh, versus would how you, big is the market. Would you support a single provider in groceries or in shoes or in, or in any other area? Well, this is getting into a discussion about socialism. I'm, I'm a socialist and, and, and I would argue that uh, greater section, sectors of the economy should be under public ownership, but uh, you need to look By at By that it. you mean government ownership, because it's yes. already under public ownership. People own it right now. Well, so public, you want to take that's it away private from in my world. Well, my that, word. no, that's what I call public. Yeah. See, that's another word that socialists use that, that's an outright lie, public. When they say public, they it's mean government. Lie, yeah, when that. you say public education, you mean government education. You don't mean public education. I think Loblaws and Dominion and A&P, they're all public places. You can walk in there. They're privately owned. But they're not publicly controlled, and that's the difference. Control well, is the point here. No, they're, I well, control you mean my education they're not government system. controlled. I, I elect the government. I elect the government, and so I could control what is delivered in terms of education You have no control, not even at the poll or after. I mean, democracy, you're, you, it, it ends at the ballot box. It doesn't begin there. No, it doesn't. I, mean, I mean, you can lobby governments. I mean, that's in between elections. I, I spend a lot of my time talking to governments. And yeah, well, there was an interesting question just a second ago, Gil. Yeah. If, if this all works and makes sense to do this for the public wheel, then why don't we have one provider of groceries and one provider of shoes? Because there's a, there's a big bunch of uh, companies out there, Loblaws and all those guys who are making a lot of money who don't want to go out of business so we'd be better we'd be better off with with one shoe store and I, one well, grocery store i think i think in the in this sort of discussion um my perception of the alternative is is broader than just a crown corporation or a government corporation i think we need community economic development i think we need worker cooperatives i don't i don't by all that, I don't you mean government? No, I what? No, I don't. No government involved in any of this? No, I don't envision creating a whole bunch of Ontario hydros. Okay, what I envision is creating small community businesses that are community owned by the people in the community in different forms. They may be partially owned by the provincial government, partially owned by the workers. They could be worker co-ops. They could be a community business. And I would like to see decent... But they have to be owned by groups. No individuals could own them. No, no, no. You could still have a mixed economy is what I want. So you would still well, that's have... what we live in today. No. And it, the part that how doesn't much work, of a mix, by the way, is um, a socialized mix. Oh, no. That, that's a myth. Because socialism only redistributes wealth. I'm Capitalism not, creates the, the power. is coming into this radio station and the radio no, no, radio is going out because Ontario Hydro works. The power is there. So, uh, but it works at a tremendous cost and at a deficit that rivals the deficit of many world nations. Uh, we, we stepped into a big puddle there with, with, with Ontario Hydro. And uh, to use a euphemism, I mean, we're in for a shock when the final bill is going to be, be coming due. P poor and that's why you're seeing, well, the poor decision to is go to make it a, a one-shot a one Big multi I've worked for big corporations like Ford and 3M, and I've seen them make big mistakes, too. Well, but I think, I think but you're, not at your expense. you're oversimplifying, yeah. though, to blame yeah. Ontario Hydro's problems on the decision to go nuclear. They are much deeper than that and much more endemic, and one of the big problems is a bureaucracy that was uncontrolled. How do you control a bureaucracy? Everything you're talking mm -hmm. about requires a bureaucracy. How are you going to ensure that the bureaucracies you're talking about uh, deliver better results than the bureaucracies we've dealt with in the past. Well, you notice that I suggested that things be decentralized, and I think that you need to have community feedback and, and community participation and community control. And I think one of the problems with creating something like Ontario Hydro was that, as you just mentioned, and you're right, 
that uh, you ended up with a big bureaucracy that got out of control of, of MPPs and, mm -hmm. and premiers and everything else. I mean, when Bob Ray came in, came into power with the NDP government, they tried to get control of Ontario Hydro, and it was extremely difficult for them. I mean, mm -hmm. and so that's a problem to create a gigantic corporation. Now, sometimes you have to do that if 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 you're delivering something province-wide that, that that demands a big corporation. But you know, they but you can you you can also by picking the people that run the business. Okay, the government controls. Uh, who will be the chairman of the board of Ontario Hydro? Mm -hmm. If they put in the guy who just ran GM, he's going to run it like GM. You know, that's not going to be a surprise. Mm -hmm. If you put in somebody who believes in public enterprise, who believes in, in decentralizing the economy and community economic development, you're going to get a much different Ontario Hydro. Mm -hmm. So the key thing there is who you put in in terms of at, at but the who top. Did, who determines that? Well, it should be the government, since the government owns it, and, and it should be... So we're back to government again. Yeah. I mean, that, this, we're back to democracy. I mean, I believe in democracy, and I believe in equality, and I think... Do you believe in freedom and free enterprise? There, because those things, in the context of how you're discussing democracy and equality, are completely the opposite. You're taking away people's freedom. You're telling me, I, have, I, I, I am not allowed to have a choice of what insurance company I can buy my health I'm not allowed to rob banks. I mean, they're, 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 Excuse they're, me, there's a big difference between me entering a voluntary agreement between two people who, who are consenting adults and a person picking a gun up and robbing a bank. I find that a yeah. very insulting statement you're to me. Assuming, you're assuming that both partners are equal, and that's the problem with, with your They philosophy. are equal, because no, you, you have no. the right to say yes and no. No, because... You, if you, you don't like to deal with me, you can deal with Jim. If you don't like... If Jim, I'm an unemployed worker looking for a job in a factory, my bargaining power is far less than if I'm an employed worker in that factory and there are 3,000 other workers who are on strike. My bargaining power is a lot less than if I'm Ford and I'm bargaining with well, GM. The problem is That's that what you ignore you see, is no, inequality no, in the system. No, there's great equality, and the problem is the, the people you're equal with are the, are, the, are the people you don't want to acknowledge. You're talking about the employer and the government and the union, but what about mm. all your fellow employees? Those are the people who you're competing with. And what, what you're doing and saying is that by joining this union, you don't have to compete with that group because you're all going to be promised the same thing. That's Even though it's going to collective, cost... Collective bargaining and collective well, rights. That's, yeah, and it takes away the responsibility on your part, putting it on to a collective body to, to exercise on your behalf. No, because I participate in a democratic structure within that union, and I might be the leader of the union, I might be a shop steward or something like that. And I have, you know, uh, you don't bring in the union where in a factory where everybody makes $8 an hour and then go well, out and bargain I, I, for $20 an hour, you go out of business. I stewards of unions, and they tell me very few people come around to, the, to, to most of the union meetings. How many people? They will show up for a strike. Well, Gail, strike and, we, and we should note that there are many, many examples of unions putting companies out of business because they ask too much. Many companies claim they went out of business because they want to blame the victim, but in men, most cases, it's poor management going on within the company. Most unions, I mean, 95 percent of, of collective bargaining is, is resolved without a strike. Absolutely. But yeah. how can you say it's poor management if the company's pushed to the wall and my father was prematurely retired from, from a company that went mm. out of business because they had a series of strikes and every time they came back from strike and he was a union member, he said, I don't know why we did this. We, things weren't bad before. I'll never make up the money I've lost during the strike. And that happened four or five times over about 15 years. And at the last one, the company said, we can't do this. We cannot pay you what you're asking. We can't do business like this. Right. And, they, and the union forced them, and eventually the company said, all right, okay, because the union said what you said. No, you, you can. You know, you're just lying to us, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it went on for another, I think, two, two and a half years, something like that. And the thing went bust. They didn't flee to the States. They didn't take the money and run. It was a publicly traded company, and they went broke. Which company was that? Christie's. Christie yeah. Bread. Right. 
in a situation like that, you can have union leaders who who lose track of reality. You well, can you can the have the point I was trying to make. Was, business owners yeah, but, but you see, you said a, you said a moment ago you suggested that that never happens, and it does no, happen. It does Unions happen. do put companies. But you said all the time, and I would say a lot of the time, and right. I I would say it's rare because most most union leaders are perceptive enough to figure out. Uh, how much they can ask for. That's part of collective bargaining. I mean, you both start out with ridiculous positions and you come up with a compromise in the middle. Well, what do you mean by too much profit? I never knew there was such a thing. A, a, an owner of a company may, dis, may, may be bleeding the short-term profits out of a company, not reinvesting in new machinery and new would equipment. You, would you, is there such a concept, comparatively speaking, such as too much wages? It's the same thing. It's so, it's so beyond the, what the market can bear, the company will go out of business. Well, when you're if talking about a market, when you're talking much, about a market, profit. you have to be talking about people who are voluntarily exchanging in the market. You can't force a market on somebody. So, if it's a forced agreement between the employer and a union because of some form of legislation, I can't even really compare anything that goes on in that situation to market values because market values would be free market means people choose their own relationships and their own uh, wages. If the, if the company is surviving in the marketplace after a collective agreement's been signed, then they came to some sort of uh, agreement that's within the capabilities of the marketplace. Well, in terms of their the capability to sustain themselves within the market, yes. but as soon as other competition comes in, particularly in their area, and it might not be, be unionized, for example, then the union starts having a lot of problems. And well, so now, that, now that competition's coming by way of freer markets around the world, where our companies here in Canada can't, we just can't pass laws now like we used to be able to, uh, you know, keeping the local competition out because well, now we've got free trade and we have to deal with competition coming from abroad. Well, here, here, we, here comes globalization, which, which uh, I call international capitalism. I think globalization is a nice word that makes it so that it sounds like we can't do anything about it. I would think it means it's the opposite. International, international freedom is what I see. I yeah. see that I can trade with a guy in the United States or Singapore or Japan, and I don't have to worry about guys like you button in between and saying, oh, no, you can't do well, that. I might go over and organize those workers in Singapore. Well, you might. You might. <laughs> and then you're, and but what does that, does that prove you're and, right? And does, that's does, no, does having a gang on your side prove you're right? Or, it's, it's or no is different. there a real right and wrong to the issue? You, you obviously have no problem with using force on other people. Well, does you, business and never use force on other people? Not legally. Does business ever, not legally. Does it, do business ever hire security guards during a strike to go and beat up on workers? Well, on. excuse me, I think... You, it, got, you got your side totally I don't even think people should be allowed to strike on the property of their employer, for heaven's sakes. That's a gross violation of an employer's property rights. Property rights. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, you, you obviously don't believe in property rights well, either. Think about property rights, okay? Uh, you argue for total freedom of everything, but property... Freedom implies responsibility, don't Property forget. rights are a very elaborate system uh, built up in the legal system over hundreds of years which allow for the business system to work. That's not a free market, the property rights. You know, look at that sometime. Think well, if, about you, if I don't rights. own my business, how can I stay in business? I have to own it. So that's why I have, have land, property rights, or land, land, or your home, right. or the shirt on I wanna, your back. I want to interject for a second here. This is left, right, and center. Jim Chapman, Gil Warren, and Bob Metz. What's wrong with property rights? When, when I started working, mm -hmm. I didn't have a dime. Well, actually, that's not true. At one point in my life, I had 43 cents in my pocket. That's all the money I had in the world. Mm -hmm. So I started with 43 cents. Now I have a nice home, a couple of cars, nice furniture, all that stuff. All of that stuff I paid for. All of that stuff I worked for. Mm -hmm. That's 
I think, my property. And that is protected by the concept of property rights. Right. So what part of that would you want to do away with? Think, think back to be, before all of us white people arrived in North America. I mean, the, na the native people didn't have the concept of individual property rights. I'm asking rights. you, in, yeah. a, in the context had, of, in the context of where we are today, how do you want to change that? How do you want to change my ownership of the cars and the house and the furniture that I sweated my butt off to, to earn the money for and to buy? No, I'm just, I'm just saying on a theoretical point, if someone's arguing for a totally free society... No, wait a minute, you're ducking look, the question. They should, no, they should look you're, at... You're ducking at, my question. Yeah. Obviously, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that you have some strong thoughts on, on property rights. Mm -hmm. I'm asking you to tell me how they relate to my house. I think it's a balance. I mean, th this is the problem with, the, with, with much of the right wing. They, they don't wait have... Wait a minute, no, this isn't a right-wing question. Sure there, are pe there are people left, right, and center all over the city who own property yeah. who I'm sure would like to hear the answer yeah. to that question. Well, the, the, the lead up to your to your point Never was that mind the lead no, up. No, no. answer the question. You said you said you'd worked really hard to get that, yes. and that's what you deserve. Yes, that's what everybody says. That's what the millionaire says. That's what the billionaire says. And the assumption that you put there is that we all started out equally and we all worked equally hard. No, no, no absolutely not. And what, and I worked a lot harder start with than other people. Right. And what 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 I would say is you cannot look at the fact that we all start out equally because we don't because. There are many people who are rich because of inheritance. There's a problem in the You're system. You're not answering my that's, question. That's, no, I, exactly I'm not rich because of inheritance. But I many people my, are. It doesn't matter. Yes, Answer my question. Well, even what if they are, it doesn't house? make any difference. What happens Please. to my house? See, this is the... No, wait a minute. You keep yeah. ducking this. You no, you keep your house. I don't care about your house. That doesn't matter. You work to get that house. Mm -hmm. and, 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 okay, what, and about the what about the factory owner who worked to build up his factory yeah. and build that property, and he owns the factory? But he didn't do the work. The workers did the work. And I said that earlier. It's a combination. He, the owner of the company, made a contribution there. The workers make a contribution. It's a collective thing there between the workers and the owners. If the, the owner could have all the money in the world, all the bright ideas, if the workers don't show up for work, nothing gets done. You know, I, I just want to say one more thing. We're going to break, and I'm going to let Bob and, and Gil do this, because it's not my job to argue with either one of them. But, but, no, let's wait. We'll take the break, and we'll do it when we come okay. back. Stay with us. Jim Chapman, Gil Warren, and Bob Metz here on Left, Right, and Center. Gil, I want to come back to something because okay. uh, um, you, you, you made a comment yesterday about, or today rather, the, uh, earlier, about that's kind of the right-wing approach. Um, I really sincerely don't consider myself a right-winger. I think Bob is, but I'm not anywhere near where well, Bob I is. I don't either, but... Well, in, in, any, ca in any case, <laughs> uh, I think I'm in the middle, and this is a legit question from the middle. You talked about the participation of the workers and the owners in in an enterprise right um, and that there should be some sharing of the, the profitability of that enterprise because they're all contributing and I understand where you're coming from on that what I don't understand is I have never and maybe there are some I have never heard of an agreement between an employer and a union wherein if the company didn't do well the workers would take less money I've never heard that and I don't understand why if it if it should work in one direction it doesn't work in both directions. Well, because the argument that you make there is usually used by employers to uh, get the workers to take a pay cut in, in a recession. Uh, and the, econ the, the economy goes up and down. It's a business cycle. Yeah, but and the because doesn't matter. What you give up is very hard to get back when the economy picks up again. Well, let's, let's suppose that it wasn't. Let's suppose that, that you had an employer of goodwill and a union of goodwill. Um, why, why, why doesn't it do that? Why does it only go one way? Well, there are many uh, workplaces that are unionized that have a bonus system, and if the workers work harder 
uh, producing more, they'll get an extra bonus. So what if they what if they don't work hard and produce less? They don't get their pay cut because the union won't stand for because it. Because there's a there's a standard level of pay, so they don't get the bonus, but everybody gets uh, a base pay rate. Well, well, then my question would be: if everybody's got this kind of guarantee, isn't that their piece of the profitability? Well, see, the, the they've got it guaranteed. The owner's yeah. got no guarantee. What I, what I would argue that is that uh, your idea would lead to a situation where the workers and, and the boss end up thinking the same way, exactly the same way. That our little company uh, has. Isn't to, that a good thing? No, because what happens is take the auto industry, say auto parts, for example. If you had everybody in the auto industry thinking that way, the workers and the boss, each little company, then it's one company against the other instead of the workers, all the workers uh, in the auto parts industry versus all the owners in the auto parts industry. So you like it better to have workers against owners rather than yes. one company competing yes. with another? Because I, I think we should have sectorial bargaining uh, in, in, uh, so that all the auto sector is bargaining. So you like, you like union conflict and labor conflict and this is something it's you're trying on, It's not conflict, it's bargaining. And it's, it's, well, it's a process of negotiating. And the well, 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 I get to come back to Jim's question. What, what would be wrong with, with, uh, with having a contract where the employee gets X percentage of the profits of that business and then whether it goes up or down you don't have to worry about anything you're going to get your fair yeah. share and the problem is you then identify yourself as a capitalist rather than a worker i mean you're turning the workers so into it's an capitalists. ideological reason it's not even an economic reason that you're attached no to what this. you'll end up doing is getting into these spirals that we saw in the last recession where uh, each company is is cutting its wages uh, and benefits and uh, you, it's a downward spiral but it's that a, wouldn't have to happen though it's the same with this global aren't you being a capitalist by wanting more money and wanting higher wages that sounds pretty capitalistic to me. I would argue that work, the value that the workers uh, produce, say out at the Ford plant, uh, the workers out there are making, let's say, uh, they're making $20 an hour or whatever, uh, or say $40,000 a year. The, the, the work has been done to show that the value they're putting into that car might be $150,000. So you know, there's, a, there's a tremendous profit there for the owner. And what I would argue is that it's not fair market value. The workers at the Ford plant still aren't getting at $20 well, fair or market $25 value is whatever you agree to work for. If I agree to work for somebody no. for 2 bucks an hour and he's making 50 it's off the power me, you have. I agreed to work for him at that. There's, he's not ripping me off. He is, because you don't have Even though I agreed with it. So you're, so you're calling anybody who agrees with, with uh, an employer's wage rate basically a fool or something. No, I'm saying that they're desperate people who are out of work and have no choice but to take the job that's available. And I think that all this stuff that Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher have done with, uh, with uh, their monetarist uh, theories over the last 10 or 15 years has been an effort to drive down the value of labor and to increase the value of profits for corporations. And yet, and yet the... Uh, the uh What's the word I want? It's escaping me today. The prosperity of both the companies, countries you've mentioned is at record highs. Be of the, because of the business cycle. I mean, the, the economies go up and down, and uh, you can't give credit to the Ontario economy to Mike Harris. No, um, but you can, by the same token, you can't look at Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and say that they were a disaster. And they were. They, and they, they wrecked were. their countries. No, they, they did. that business cycle you just talked about is not divorced from the politics of the country in which it exists. Margaret Thatcher mm -hmm. privatized a great deal of England. Mm -hmm. All the people who, there were, were big who were in that. housing projects got to own those projects and instead they, of owned by the state. And, and when the economy went down, they lost those houses and they lost their life savings. Well, that was a, a big failure. Them, a few of them, but not the waterworks. Vast the waterworks, the waterworks uh, privatization was a big fiasco because companies came in and made short-term profits and then went bankrupt and dumped it back on on the municipalities. Well, that may be a, a short-term storm that, I would that argue, economies have to weather when they've been 
run so badly for so no, long. No, these companies were run badly and by the new private owners who took short, short-term profit. Well, there must taking. have been something wrong with the old public owner, and the new private ones would never have been allowed in. So obviously they, they were, were trying something to That was a giveaway to their buddies. That was a, that was a political payoff for the Tories. But what I would argue is that uh, the economy right now is better than it was, but we still have a million and a half unemployed, so there's something fundamentally wrong with the economy because we don't have anywhere near full employment. Well, there's we also have fundamentally wrong taxes that have taken 54% of our income and going up forever. And, and like, that's, a, that's the subject we started on, and to suggest that that doesn't have an impact on our standard of living or the value of our dollar doesn't have an impact on our standard of living, I think is kidding ourselves. I agree with you that a devalued dollar is a devalued standard of living, but uh, those are separate issues. But what the point I want to make is... Well, it's caused by spending yeah. on socialist programs, the things that you support. That's it's, not, your, it's not a separate issue. It's, that, it's that's the only your, issue. Thatcher and Reagan's policies have allowed the wealthy to become much wealthier and the poorer to become much poorer. The average working guy is worse off than he was 10 years ago, even though he's working right now. His, his income is less than it well, was 10 years Thatcher ago. Thatcher did not eliminate socialism. She just slowed it a little bit. And she fixed up some small areas, and then the subsequent government became a little more socialistic. Um, I, I don't think you can blame that. I mean, it's, it's a long-term thing. But to me, as far as I see, the, de the degree to which you have a free market in any economy is the stronger that economy will be. And the more powerful its unit of monetary system, be it a dollar or a yen or whatever, will also be. Right. We've uh, not had any calls during the show thus far, and that's fine, because usually that means you're enjoying the uh, discussions, but we do have a couple of callers, and we'll go to Doris. Hi, Doris. Hi, Jim. Hi. I hope I can control myself. I am very, very angry at the union activist. We have a million and a half people unemployed, and there's a great deal of blame to the unions for the closures that have caused people to be unemployed their demands. I, I personally was involved in one where the, the corporation asked the employees to give a little and the union absolutely railroaded the people and now the place is gone. Which and place? it has disrupted lives that I, the people I talked to, their lives have been disrupted and I'll never forget a union activist saying to me, we'll never give in because I'll work at McDonald's first. And they gave up 20 dollars an hour job I am he's made me furious so which company was it they went out of business Bendix Bendix well yes. that was a, a complicated situation it and was not complicated I yeah. worked there for almost 30 years and I know people who worked at Bendix yeah. there too and they're not blaming the union you're blaming oh, the union you, you probably weren't a union supporter you're certainly not talking to the right people I'm sorry you, you probably weren't a union supporter in the first place <sighs> I uh, ha you have no choice in some circumstances Yes, yeah, see, you weren't. You and tell so, people, yeah. you lie to people, no, you tell people no. untruths, the, the you business ruin people's lives, and why ever a company, a corporation is supposed to be in business not to make a profit or for the union employees to the take Bendix all their money? They transferred their production to the states, didn't they? Uh, why? Yeah. So are, why? You, are you saying if businesses did lie, it would be okay for unions to lie? No, I don't think anybody should be lying. But don't don't so, sit so, there and so. accuse unions of lying and then pretend oh, that companies they have, are I angels. Involved, well, how is I that know. even relevant? Who cares if, if there's a every who cares if every company in the world lies? Does that excuse the union lying? That's the question. I said no. I, I don't think people should be lying. Period. I don't think anybody was lying out at Bendix. I think the union was doing its best to try and uh, negotiate. Absolutely. The policy not. of the Canadian auto workers. You, you didn't work there. The I worked work at there. I worked at Northern across the street so you okay uh the policy of the ciw was no concessions and they felt that northern one and now they felt that now once there's people unemployed 
people's once, lives were yeah. ruined. You were, they were going to close that plant anyway. No, they weren't. They were. They were they not. Taken, we've seen that pattern. People I, make plans with their lives. They gave the company a, a, a good day's work. The company was very, very good to their employees. They, it was they, the union. No, you're, you're blaming demands. the victims. You're blaming the victims. The, it was the demands of the union that did it. What happens? What the people make plans for their lives, and you people ruined it for them. The, the companies that have closed down have closed down because of free trade. That's why they Absolutely down. not. Thanks Absolutely. for the call, Doris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that's quite Thank all right. You. All right. We have to pause, Ryan? Okay, we'll be back right after this. Just a couple there. minutes left. Uh, we'll try to get Dave on. Hi, David. Hi, Jim. Good. I just wanted to pass on. Uh, your um, union representative fellow sounds like Go a on. fool on the radio. Uh, I well, just can't come on. Now, we don't have, you don't have to be insulting people. I don't on, know David. if that's insulting. That is a comment. I mean, somebody who owns a company essentially is taking all the risks. If the auto workers at Ford think that Ford is making so much money, why don't they all band together and start their own car company? They certainly have the expertise in building the cars. Why don't they go out, put up the capital to buy a, a plant, to build a plant, and make all this money? Well, my response would be that clearly, uh, even if I were a business guy, there's no way I'm going to start an auto company. You would take billions and billions of dollars to compete with Ford and Chrysler and GM. They, had, they in fact, have a pretty close to a monopoly in the auto business. So there's no way that any little business or any bunch of workers are going to get together and create another Ford company. So well, I think that's well, you, you because put them out the market, of business. If no, all Ford workers quit Ford yeah. and built their own company, Ford would be out of business. Where, Who's going to build their cars? Where are they going to get the capital to do that? I mean, that's just a fantasy. Now, the other thing, the other thing is the company doesn't take all the risks. As a factory worker, I take a tremendous amount of risk. I take a risk with my life. Workers go to work and they don't come back. They come back dead or injured or back injuries. Uh, people put their, uh, invest their lives in a company for 20, 30, 40 years. It closes down and they're 50 and they don't work again. So there's an investment by everybody, not just by the owners. There's an investment by the workers. There's an investment by the, the subcontractors and the suppliers and everybody else. And for your investment, you're paid an hourly wage or whatever. I've heard guys that work at uh, AccuRide or whatever bragging how uh, when it's a holiday, they're going in and getting paid triple time. I mean, these are tremendous amounts of money these guys are making. David, I'm afraid we've run out of time. Thanks, but I Jim. appreciate your call, sir. And we've got some people waiting, but I'm sorry we won't have time to get you on. Perhaps next week on Left, Right, and Center will uh, be something that you'll care to comment on. I want to thank Bill for sitting in for the vacationing, Jeff Schlemmer, and Bob for coming by. It was great. Yeah, thanks, thanks you both. You're making a lively day today. And uh, Tara, who's on tomorrow? Several people. Peter Baker, new director of parking. Walter Weston, How Prayer Heals, and a couple other books as well. Okay. A couple other authors. Excellent. We will look forward to having you join us tomorrow. So for Gil and Bob and Ryan and Tara, it's Jim Chapman saying, please take care of each other. Mind how you go, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.